Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. I entitled this simply, Jesus Says Repent and Believe in the Gospel. Now, the reason why I say that is because it's Jesus that's actually sharing the gospel. And I, and I, one of the things I just want to make sure as we go through this, a lot of times when we, we, we look at Jesus, we, we look at the healer, the miracle worker, uh, we, we see the, the teacher of, of uh, parables, but we never look at it. I love the way that Mark frames this as him sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, heralding the gospel. So we'll look at it in three parts. Uh, the first part in verse 14, the appearance of the gospel of god and the first part of verse 15 uh we'll look at the access to the kingdom of god and then the last part of uh, verse 15 we'll look at the application of the gospel the application of the gospel so last week we left uh, uh in our verse we saw that jesus was being baptized and we saw the trinity uh god saying this is my beloved son with i am well pleased and uh, the dove descending the Holy Spirit and then Jesus being baptized. Um, and, and, and then he's driven into the desert by the Spirit and then tempted by the devil. And now after the temptation of Christ for 40 days by the devil, uh, the sinless Christ uh, shows up. And, and the first thing we see in the verse, right, is Mark just jumps right in. And in verse 14 and says, now after John was arrested. So... Before we can get into anything, we need to look at why was John arrested, right? These are the things when we're, when we're studying the Word of God, these are the things, the questions that we should be asking ourselves as we look at the observation, interpretation, application. Well, what happened to John? You know, how did he get arrested? So we know in the book of Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 3 through 5, it says, For Herod had seized John, and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to put, uh, uh, for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. It's funny, you see Herod and, and, um, and Pilate both fearing people, right? Uh, they, they feared what the people would do not wanting to do what was right, which was that he should have never been in jail. He should have actually walked away from Philip's wife. Uh, and, and he liked hearing John speak. Uh, that was another, another thing that happens. But we know that, uh, that eventually John is beheaded in Matthew chapter 14, verse 10. It's, uh, he sent and had John beheaded in, in prison. But one of the things that we do need to see is that when Jesus comes on the scene, John is exiting. And that's why Mark is saying John went to, was arrested. And now here comes Jesus. Uh, but Jesus spoke about John in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 12. 
And, and John was going through, when he was in prison, was struggling a little bit with, with did I make the right decision? Was that the, the Messiah, right? And so we see it says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent, by, uh, he sent word by his disciples. And he said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And I think sometimes when we are going through trials and tribulations, we have that struggle at times. Well, where is the Lord at in this? Is, is God moving in this? I, I've been praying about this. And John is here, and he, he's saying, you know what? Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? He's like, did I baptize the right person? And, and so, I love what Jesus answers them in verse 4. Jesus answered, him saying, uh, answered them and said, go tell John, go and tell John what you hear and see, Right? And now what he's going to give them, he's going to actually give them prophecy that's been done, that, that Jesus is supposed to be doing. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So Jesus made it clear that, that John had not misplaced his faith. And, and so when the disciples leave, Jesus has more to say about John. And this is important because in verse 7 it says, And when they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. Now, why did he not say this in front of the disciples of John? I don't know. But he said it after the disciples left. He told them what they needed to hear to give John, to encourage John while he was in prison. But then he goes on and says, And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who were in soft clothing are in the king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is he who, whom it is written, Behold, I send, a, send my messenger before, you, uh, before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. That's an unbelievable like compliment, right? That's all the prophets in the Old Testament. He's like saying, hey, uh, among those born of women, there, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, remember, was the bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament to prepare the way for Jesus. And then he says, and yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. As leaders, we're least. And, and so, uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and violent, uh, violent taken, it, uh, taken by force. And now what we see is what John said. He must decrease, or I must decrease, he must increase. So John is actually doing this. He's in prison though. But now Jesus is coming into Galilee and the appearance of the gospel of God is going to happen. So now we see that, that John was arrested. And now we see Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Why Galilee? That would be the next question I would ask, right? Well, uh, in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So the Holy Spirit brought him and led him to Galilee. You know, and, and so we need to, for us, we need to be driven and powered 
one of the things I was thinking about is like, are, are, are you being driven by the, the Holy Spirit? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to drive your life and to guide your direction of the things that you're supposed to be doing? You know, because if we're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, it'll do that. It, it's, it, it, God will guide us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah verses 4 and 6, it says, Then he said to them, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by my might, nor by, my, uh, by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Uh, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You know, you want to have that relationship with Jesus Christ and have that life being given to you, that fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. And so you want to be guided by the Holy Spirit. You're humbly depending on the power of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus was doing. And so as he's, uh, the Spirit brings him into Galilee, we need to remember a few things here. Uh, Nazareth is only about three, three and a half miles from there. So where, where Galilee is, Nazareth is about three and a half miles. And then also, this is this, the, the part of his public ministry is going to be at, at Capernaum near the Sea of Galilee, where he's going to pick up who? All of his disciples, really. And so this is why he's going to be in this area. He's fixing a, Capernaum was known as a, a fishing industry. And that's where he's going to tell these guys, hey, you're going to become fishers of men. And so that's why he's in Galilee. So we, uh, we see Jesus filled with the Spirit. And John has exited the scene. And, and Jesus comes to do what? To start ministry is what he's going to do. But he says right off the bat, he, he says that, that Jesus came into Galilee doing what? Proclaiming the gospel of God. Heralding the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. And, and like I said, most of us, when we think of Jesus, we think of the miracles. Uh, we think of Him uh, um, you know, healing the leopards. We think of Him teaching in parables. But we don't really look at it as Him proclaiming the gospel of God. And that's what I love about the book of Mark is that we see that Jesus is going to be sharing the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And it's, it would have been understood. Now you've got to remember Mark is writing to who? Romans. Right? And so they would not have understood the gospel. So that's why when he says the gospel of God. Right? The Jews would have understood the gospel because of the Septuagint. But there goes our train. That's two in a row. They're probably running behind this week. I have to wait till that horn goes by and then we can go right there we go but but what we see is the reason why mark mark places in there proclaiming the gospel of god is because what he's wanting to do is make sure that the romans who were gentiles would understand what he's talking about right and so the gospel of god what is the gospel of god it's it's one of the things we have to remember is that the reason why Mark shares it as the gospel of God is because it originates with God. It's not a religion invented by man. Unfortunately, there's been many religions that have been invented by man that have caused people to fall away. 
Mormonism, uh, the, the Quran, the Muslim faith, um, Jehovah Witness. You can just go down the list of, of uh, religions that have been invented by man. But see, this is the gospel of God. So who or it comes from who? It comes from God. And so when we read verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That is the gospel of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 3, For God has, gone, has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for, uh, for sin He condemned sin in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 and 21, it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we, may become, uh, we might become the righteousness of God. And so we are to be ambassadors of God, uh, of the gospel. And God has given you the power and the authority to share the gospel. And we all know Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not, as, not a, re, a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you are an ambassador of the gospel of God. And one of the questions that you have to ask yourself, am I proclaiming the way Jesus did the gospel of God? I just gave you multiple verses that, that share the gospel, right? Uh, sometimes we get hooked on John 3.16, but there's so many verses in the Bible that actually share the gospel. And so we need to be willing to uh, proclaim the word of God, to herald it. And that means you have to speak, right? That's the thing that usually gets people kind of tripped up and, and nervous is they, they, they don't, I don't know what to say. And it's like, just allow the Spirit to guide you and, and allow, look, the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to say. In verse 15, it says, And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So the second point that we have, we see the access to the kingdom of God. Now the word time, as we see the time is fulfilled. So Jesus is saying the time is fulfilled. And so time uh, in the Greek actually means that it's a, a definite. It's opportune. It's fixed. This was always going to happen. This exact way, this exact time, Jesus was going to come on this particular day to proclaim the gospel of God. That's how it was always going to be. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, we see uh, as they interpret, uh, I think one of the things that we, we fail to realize is when we talk about time and in in, in this fulfillment of uh, time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, it goes, you know, we look at the, the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament and it was not silent because God was moving throughout, throughout the world. And we see that when we look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, it says, In, those, in the days of, the, of the, the, those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, 
Nor shall the kingdom be left to, the, to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. And, and what he's actually doing is Daniel's actually interpreting the, the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar that he had, that vision. And he's like, I need to understand this. And, and what's crazy is when we look at the 400 years of silence, we've seen this whole thing, this statue, completely be prophesied and, and fulfilled. We've seen uh, the Medes and the Persians that were the chest and the arms and their, their rise and fall. You know, we've seen the Greeks under Alexander and then as they broke up and the belly and the thighs and the bronze, as they, their, their kingdoms came to an end. And then we see the Romans in the legs of iron. And then the feet of iron mixed with clay represents the Western world empires. And Roman, Rome, uh, Rome has died. And so one of the things that we understand is that, that Jesus is the rock, that He's going to be the one that kingdom is going to stand forever. And, and that was all from that one prophecy from Daniel. You know, Daniel, you, you think of those 400 years of silence and you see all of this stuff happening. You know, these empires that he said was going to fall, fell. And, and, and sadly, you know, I don't understand how people can't grasp the fact that the, the Bible is real. Because the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And we know that, that eventually there's going to be a stone, the cornerstone that, that, that 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 talked about. And for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying uh, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whomever believes in Him will not be put to shame. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, and it says, It shall come to pass in the latter days, that the, uh, the mountain of, of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and the nations shall flow to it. And so we know uh, that when we look at Daniel 2, we see the 483 years was explained, and we talked about that in Nehemiah. It's, it's, it's one of those prophecies that there's, I mean, it just doesn't, when you put your, wrap your head around it, you know, it, it's supposed to be 483 years and to the exact day Jesus comes in on the donkey. To the exact day. And, and we've talked about it before. It would be like filling the state of Texas to your knees with coins. And I'm going to take one coin and I'm going to mark it red on one side, red on the other. I'm going to blindfold you while I go hide the coin. And then I'm a, I'll put you on a ship because we got oceans. Well, we got the Gulf. We don't really have much ocean. We have a gulf. We have dirty water is what we got. We have the gulf. I can put you on a helicopter because you can, you, wherever I blindfold you and let you stick your hand down, the, 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 the chance of you pulling that one red coin, whether it's in Dallas or Wichita Falls or, or over in Beaumont or, or Corpus or Del Rio, Laredo, just think how big the state of Texas is, El Paso. Anybody who's driven from San Antonio to El Paso, just think about how long that is. And that's the chance of you finding that one red coin. But that prophecy was fulfilled by Jesus. How do you not believe the Bible? It was in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. He talked about it. And then Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, in the month of Nisan in the 12th year of King Xerxes, 
when, when Nehemiah asked to go to build the wall, and the king says yes, that sets up in Luke chapter 19, verses 36 through 40. As he rode along, they spread the cloaks on the road, and as, uh, as he was drawing near already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all, uh, all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven uh, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He, has answered, he answered, I tell you, if, the, if they were silent, the stones, the very stones would cry out. He rode the donkey. And that goes back to Zechariah chapter 9, 9, another prophecy fulfilled. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Time perfectly. And what did, you, what did John say? John said in, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, In those days John the Baptist came, -preaching, uh, came preaching in the wilderness. And what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Everything has been fulfilled in its exact time. The kingdom of God, which means if it's a kingdom, there has to be a king of kings, a lord of lords, Jesus. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, it says, they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And so when we look at Mark chapter 13, verse 26, we read Revelation and we go, well, wait a minute. His time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. But guess what? There's a second coming. And that's what we need to be prepared for. And that's what Mark 13, verse 26 is talking about. It says, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And also in Daniel chapter 17, verses 13 and 14, it says, I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to, uh, to the ancient days and, uh, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which shall, pass, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And so there is a strategic time uh, and that Jesus is returning. And that's why Jesus says, you know, men of action, you should be ready, right? Your lamp should be lit. And ready to go. Always. You know, as believers, we need to understand that, that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, is going to come again. And we need to be asking ourselves, what are we doing with the gospel that we've been given? Because if Jesus proclaimed the gospel, and we're supposed to be Christ-like, what are we doing? We have to be willing to go out and share the gospel. We have to be willing to let people know that the second coming of Christ is near. And, and when the church is raptured during the pre-tribulation, you don't want to be here. That's the last place you want to be is on this earth. You want to come to know Christ now. 
You want to, you know, what we're here to do is, is see souls saved. That's it. Because I, I talked about it this past Wednesday. I, you, can't, you can kill me all day long, but you can't destroy my soul. That belongs to Jesus. You know, that's why we, when we look at things like COVID or we look at things like the flu or we see things like cancer or we see things that are, you know, I have an autoimmune disease. You know what? It can kill me. But it ain't going to take my soul. That belongs to Jesus. And so for now, as long as I'm walking, talking, and moving, I want to be one that's sharing the gospel. Why? Because Jesus did. And so finally what we see is the application of the gospel. So he tells them in saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let's deal with repentance first because I think this is where we've, we've, we've lost a lot of people. John tells you to repent first, right? Peter tells you to repent at Pentecost. Paul tells you to repent. And what is the first thing Jesus says? Repent. So, I, I have no problem saying a sinner's prayer. But if you don't repent, I have a problem. <laughs> You have to actually repent. See, I, I think sometimes we can get so excited about somebody sharing the gospel. You know, let's say the prayer. But do they understand that they, they need to ask for forgiveness of their sins? That they need to repent? And why they need to repent? You know, admitting that they're a sinner. Repentance for, for me in court, very easy to understand. It's an about face. Right? As we stood in, in, in many, many... Uh, parade ceremonies and you have to do the about face while you're in in formation it's doing a complete 180 i would do it here but i'd probably fall down now i don't know if i could still do it i'm, I'm i can i can still salute and do all that wonderful stuff but i'm but it would be just me turning my back so i'm turning away from the sin and turning to christ that's that's a 180 and so that's actually what's supposed to happen when we give our life to jesus we're supposed to walk away from, from our sin. We're supposed to understand that we're justified just as, if, as we did in sin. Our past, our present, our future sin's been forgiven. And then we start the process of sanctification to prepare us for glorification. And sanctification basically is during your trials, your testings, your, your temptations, your, your time here on earth, your preparation is preparing you for heaven. And then you're glorified and you don't have to deal with sin no more. Right? But one of the two things that we need to be very careful of is we can't just be sorry about our sin. We have to repent of our sin. Judas was sorry, right? Peter wasn't. Peter repented. Judas, he just felt bad that he got caught and, and ended up hanging himself. And, and Peter, we see in Luke chapter 22, verses 61 and 62, it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, the saying of the Lord, how he said how he had said to him before the rooster crows, Today you will deny me three times, and he went out and wept bitterly. So you know, Peter knew he sinned at that moment. He's weeping bitterly bitterly, and then who does who does Jesus appear to first? You know, Jesus appears to out of the disciples. The first one he appears to is to who? Peter. You can imagine he's not 
he's probably nervous to even see Jesus because he fell. And, and you see Jesus in Luke chapter 24, verse 34, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has, he has appeared to Simon, which is Peter. And then we see in Luke 20, uh, or in John 21, verse 17, a verse that we are all very familiar with. It says, And he said to them the third time, Simon, son, son of John, uh, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. Uh, he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And Peter denied Christ publicly. And so uh, his restoration was public, right? It happened. And, and so sin was being dealt with. And, and so at the end of the day, that's the same thing with us. You know, Peter had denied the Lord three times, but Jesus asked him three personal questions. And he was also encouraged him by the, the, the threefold commission that restored Peter to ministry. And so repentance is something that's so important for us as believers is to understand that justification means that you're perfectly positioned, uh, positional righteousness of Christ, which means your debt is paid in full. You give your life to Christ, your debt is paid. Right? But as a lifelong follower of Christ, you should be a repenter for life. You need to be confessing your sin still. It doesn't mean that you just get to go ahead and just keep sinning because I know people that have gone up and said the prayer and they just disappear. And you find out later on the mess that they're in and you're like, what is going on? Did they really mean the prayer? And you start going through that question. That were they really saved, right? But it says that true repentance should bear what? Fruit. There should be a change. You're a new creation in Christ. You know, for some people, the change is like that. They just completely turn and run to the Lord, and they just they never look back. And for some people, it's an inch at a time. It's hard. It's hard to watch. Uh, but at the same time, we need to keep praying for them, keep praying for that spiritual maturity to happen. But a lot of times what happens with Christians who stop growing, they stop repenting. They don't confess their sins anymore. That's why we have communion. Communion is actually for us to do business with God every month. To actually look back at our month and go, man, I probably could have handled that better. I need to, I need to confess that. Or maybe you're going through a storm. It's, it's to, you know, Lord, I'm in, I don't know where I'm at in this storm. I need you. It's like connecting. It's like my whole focus is my relationship with God. And so for me, I always tell people, you need to keep a, a short sin list. You need to be repenting all the time, confessing daily. Part of your prayer process is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Most people go straight to supplication, right? And we need to be confessing our sins. I, I'm very funny about that. So if I mess up and I hurt my wife's feelings or I hurt the kid's feelings or I, I may have said something that I'll, you know, at that moment, I, I'll let them know I'm sorry. And then when we, we get together and pray that night, I ask God for forgiveness. I repent. And that's what Paul tells them to do. In Acts chapter 20, verses 21, he says, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of repentance towards God and of the faith in our, God, in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So what we're supposed to do first is repent. And then believe in the gospel. Right? Because he says repent and believe in the gospel. So believe means, it actually means you can trust the person that it's coming from. Right? I can trust who God is. I can trust who Christ is. I, I can look and, and people will say, well, I don't know if I can, I can believe the Bible. And I'm like, we just went over a bunch of prophecies a few minutes ago. What, what are you looking for? Because there's been prophecy answered time and time again. Well, I don't know if Jesus, well, Jesus was a real person. It's, it's not just in the Bible. There, you can go in the Old Testament. There are things that happen that were not just in the Bible, but were in the secular history books that are from the people of the Bible, that confirm the Bible. And it's like, what exactly are you, you, you wanting to trust? What you want to trust is your, you want to be you. And you want to uh, continue in your sin, and you want to continue doing the things that the world is calling you to do, and that's not what God's calling you to do. He's saying repent and believe in the gospel. You're, you're putting your trust in Christ. You're putting your trust in God. It's genuine. That's why he tells you in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, we know this verse because we say this all the time, but, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes and is justified, and the mouth one confesses and is saved. So that's why it says you believe in your heart. You mean it. You repent and you mean it. Right? Judas didn't repent he just felt sorry and tried to give the money back and then went and hung himself he couldn't get satisfaction from the religious leaders they didn't make him feel oh man we're sorry dude they didn't do that we repent we believe in our hearts in zechariah chapter 1 verse 4 and this is what scares me today with the, this generation that we're seeing Today, is in Zechariah verse 1, verse 4, it says, Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. I, I, I read that verse and I see Jesus, Jesus saying, Believe in the gospel. Right? And I hear we see that uh, their fathers in generations... They just decided, hey, we're going to go ahead and return to the, our, our evil ways and our evil deeds. And we're seeing that happen today in this world. And God's still trying to reach people. And that's what our, our responsibility is, is to still stand firm in the Word of God and declare who Jesus is. That the gospel of God, that the time has been fulfilled, the gospel of God is at hand. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, 15, verses 3 and 4, it says, For I delivered, you, uh, delivered to you out of, uh, of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So what do we believe? We believe that Jesus and Jesus alone is salvation. That's the only way. There's no other way. There's only Jesus. Right? So we believe in the good news, the good news of the gospel. We believe that when we re receive Jesus Christ in our heart that we have salvation and that, that we, we come to know Him and have faith. Belief is a one-time event. It's, it's an ongoing state. It's, 
it, it's not just one time. It's, it's believing throughout your time here on earth. Because once you get to heaven, you won't need to believe no more. You're going to be with them. What happens, I think, is what for us is we allow that sin to skew that belief. And, and, it, and it messes people up. And, and so we see a lot of people that have turned away from the gospel during COVID. Sadly. You know, I, and I wonder how many of them actually believed. Where was their faith really? Because it's, it's an ongoing state of, of believing in Jesus. It's an ongoing uh, relationship with Christ. It's spending time in God's Word. It's, it's actually not only spending time in God's Word, but applying God's Word in our life. It's having an understanding that the second coming of Christ can happen like that. And what is He going to catch you doing? Right? Are you going to be doing the things of Christ? Because you're His follower. You know, when the tornado came last week, we were like, well, if, it, if I go teaching and I'm spinning around as I go out, I'm like, I went teaching God's Word. I'd be happy doing that. Because that thing popped on and I was talking to Joe. It popped on. He was like, well, should I stop Jimmy from teaching? Because... We got a tornado warning, but he was, you know, he's like, no, nah, let's go ahead and finish up. And then we'll get everybody in the hallway and get them safe. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we need to understand our faith. It's an ongoing belief. We need to continue believing. And that's why it's important for us as we receive the gospel, we need to share the gospel with other people. But what do we share? Repentance. Do, do we be bold the way that John was? Possibly, right? John called Herodias, and called, he called Herod out and Herodias for their sin. If somebody asked me, is this a sin? And it's in the Bible, I'm going to tell them, this is what God's Word says. It's a sin. You need to repent from it. And I think that's where the gospel's gotten watered down. We're forgot. What do we forget? What is the first thing Jesus say? Repent. We see sin rampant in the in the world today, from our Congress to Hollywood. Right? We we put pornography through the ears of our children, through the music that's being put out, and and. We're, we're, we're telling our kids today, oh, do whatever makes you feel good. No one can tell you who you're supposed to be. No, God can. <laughs> God does. Right? And so we need to stand firm. And, and that's why it's important for us in the last days we need to understand Scripture. We need to understand what the Gospel really is. If you cannot explain the Gospel to somebody, you need to really work on that as a believer. If you can't share your testimony to somebody within about three minutes, you need to work on that as a believer. You know, uh, we gave you the gospel of God. We gave you those few verses that are in there. There are many scriptures that break down the gospel easily. And we need to know them. So what is our application for today? Our application for today is, is if, if we have a king and it says kingdom, 
Are you, are you submitting to His rule in your life? Right? Yeah, that's one of the things that hit me. It's like, am I, am I going to submit to His will and He's the Lord of Lord, the King of King of my life? Am I submitting to that will here on earth? That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, the kingdom of God is at hand. The time has been fulfilled. The second coming is going to happen. And, and many people who, who do prophecy, they, they, they talk about, uh, you know, it, how close are we? That's the question everybody always wants to know. Well, the only person who knows when it's going to happen is God. If anybody else tells you they know, they don't know. You need to walk away from them as quickly as possible. <laughs> and all. But I've heard it explained uh, through a number of, of people who share prophecy is that it could be as close as your hand to your face. It could be as close as the door. Jesus has his hand on the door and has already turned the knob and is fixing to open it. And second coming is going to happen. We need to be prepared for that. We need to understand that at the end of the day that, that Jesus is the only way. Uh, he is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in Him, though die, yet shall live. In John 11, verses 25. And I love what He says, And everyone who lives and believes, in verse 26, in Me shall never die. And, and here's the question He asks. Do you believe this? So for us, that's what we have to ask ourselves. Is like, are you struggling the way that John is struggling? John the Baptist at the very beginning of this, John was arrested and John's struggling. Are you struggling where you're going, do I believe this? Because the thing that helps your belief is being in God's Word. Being in fellowship. You can't minister to somebody from your couch. Just... You can't forsake the brethren. You've you got to be here. You know, that's part of church. You know, maybe you stumbled onto this. You need to get back to your church. I'm, t I'm just saying. You need to get back to your church. It, you know, it, well, if, the, if the vaccine works so well, <laughs> why aren't you back at church? Right? It makes no sense. It's like we need to understand that that when we say that Jesus is saying do you believe this do you believe the gospel we need to know that right we need to have security in that that's why I can say doesn't matter what man does to me my soul belongs to Christ right and so that's one of the things we need to remember uh, so today we have communion and and so uh, I'm going to do this for those that are online because I don't know if you're a believer or not and in order for you to receive communion you need to be a follower of Christ if you haven't chosen to follow Christ uh, that choice you need to make today don't put it off till tomorrow I hear so many people say well I'll do it later on when I get older or whatever but it's like you need to make that choice today because yeah, it tells us that for communion in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27, it says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. And so it tells us to examine our, ourselves uh, before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so in order for us to, 
to be able to have communion, you have to be a believer. You have to be a follower of Christ. And so this goes back to what Jesus was saying about repent and believe in the gospel. As a, as a person of, uh, of who's a follower of Christ, who wants to become a follower of Christ, you have to do four things. You have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to ask for forgiveness. So admitting you're a sinner is repenting, right? You're going to do that about face that we talked about. You're going to walk away from your sin and walk towards Jesus, right? You're going to ask for forgiveness of your sin. And then you believe that Christ died on the cross for you and for me, uh, that he died for the world. You receive Christ in your heart and your life. And, and, and the reason why is the penalty for sin is death. And that says that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And I think sometimes you think maybe, and I used to think that, my good will outweigh my bad. But you know what I realized? I had far more bad than I had good. <laughs> and I got to a point where I go, I can't keep up with it no more. I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just going to hell. That's what my thought was. So I might as well just keep doing bad, right? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift that you can do nothing. You can't earn it. Uh, and that's why he tells us that we need to believe in our hearts. And so uh, if you're online and you're, you're wanting to do communion and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity. Just pray this prayer after me. But first, you have to confess your sins. You need to repent. Okay? That's part of this. And so let's just pray. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask for, for uh, repentance. I repent of my sins, Lord. And I ask for forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus', in Jesus name, amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.